WSLstore.com is powered by Shopify. We love the analytics we can check on the go. A lot of us are addicted to checking the Shopify app on our phones. We also love the automations and marketing integrations with our social and YouTube channels. It has incredible features to help us manage our global audience, including international taxation support and great shipping optionality. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US, and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash lineup, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash lineup now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash lineup. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the lineup with Dave Prodan. I'm today's guest host, Mitchell Salazar. On today's episode, we have one of the greatest surfers to come out of South America, the surfer who won the 2019 Pan American Games in Lima, former championship tour surfer, current challenger series surfer, and the people call him the machine for a reason. His name is Luca Messinas from Mancora Pira, Peru. This episode was recorded just days before the Boost Mobile Gold Coast Pro, and the former championship tour surfer looking to requalify for the championship tour in 2024, but he has to start in Australia. Challenger Series at the Boost Mobile Gold Coast Pro, then the GWN Sydney Surf Pro. Welcome, Mancura, Piura, Peru Zone, Luca Messinas. The good old clap, take one. That's right. How many of you knew what you wanted to be when you were seven years old? I did. I wanted to be a world champion. Hey, is there honesty involved in this podcast? Can we be honest? We can shut your lips. And now I just say, put them up once, let's go. He's like, you look too pretty on the wave. Get ugly. We can talk about DMT if you want. It's <laughs> out your boxes. Well, all right, everybody. Welcome, surf fans, to today's episode of The Lineup. I'm your host for today, Mitchell Salazar, and today's guest is none other than a good friend of mine, a former travel partner of myself. Former CT surfer, the first Peruvian male to qualify for the championship tour. Current Challenger Series competitor. We call him the machine for a reason. He's a wrecking ball when he hits the lineup. His name is Luca Messinas. Luca, welcome to the lineup. Yeah, Michel. Thank you so much. Thank you. Super stoked to be here. Uh, yeah, I've been watching you guys a lot. So, yeah, really happy to be here with you. Well, first of all, I want to congratulate you based off of all your success. 
you obviously qualified for the championship tour in 2021. First year of the Challenger Series, you did quite well, number 12 in the rankings. You qualified because there were a couple double qualifiers on the Challenger Series. But you mentioned that making the CT, huge task, very difficult, and only four events too. I was looking through your rankings in 2021. Your two best results were actually in Europe. And then in 2022, we had a couple of good results for yourself again in Europe, but the U.S. Open is surfing a fifth place, and you were just shy of making the cut in 2022 after um, being eliminated from the mid-year cut. What was 2022 like as a rookie on the championship tour? Well, yeah, first, uh, the CT, I feel like it was a really nice experience, uh, really hard level, too. Uh, I felt like I, I didn't even know what I was, was going to go into. You know, like the first event, it was a pipe. Uh, pipe. I've been surfing pipe for a while. I've been going to Hawaii for so many years. And that event didn't feel like like too crazy. You know, I was like, you know you know how to surf pipe. Just go and have fun. And I was with so many Peruvians at the beach, too, like sharing for me. So that event was really good. But after pipe, I felt like, okay, now it's like the hard spots for me, you know, because it came Sunset, uh, Portugal, Margaret, Bells, uh, a lot of spots that I've never been to. So I knew it was going to be pretty hard to compete there against the best surfers in the world. But overall, I felt like it was a really nice experience. Uh, really hard hits for sure. I was surfing against the top best, so it was pretty hard to compete against them. I felt like it was like another different story than the Challenger Series. But uh, for experience, I, I liked a lot of things. I, I felt like I, I, I'm even today I'm working better on my boards and everything because I want to get back to the city and and show more you know I felt like I, I could have shown more in the city so for me it was a really nice experience uh last year was a really hard year after falling you know I had to reset and go into a challenger series and, and try to do my best again uh, and it took me a while because I came to Australia and I didn't do that well but then uh US Open was my first good score of, of the rankings and you know, I like a lot of Huntington Beach, so that's uh, that's what pumped me up, and I started doing good in Europe again and Brazil, but I felt short to do, to go back to the city. So this year I'm feeling a little more confident and everything, so I want to get back there for sure. Well, on that fifth place in Huntington Beach, there was a priority call on that heat that could have gone your way too. You probably could have gotten at least a semifinal in that event, but a quarterfinal finish, good event for you at the events US Open of surfing. But I want to talk to you about the, the championship tour aspect of it, because you're the first Peruvian male, you're the first South American male, non-Brazilian surfer to qualify for the championship tour, only the second Peruvian overall. We obviously know what Sofia Milanovic did, 2004 world champion herself. But on the men's side, we haven't seen many South Americans do well on the qualifying series, now the challenger series. But what happened after Pipeline? You started off with the fifth, your heat average on the championship tour, only 8.81 points. Compared to what you do on the QS and the CS, I usually have to say you're doing 12 points per heat. What was the difficulty of competing after Pipeline, Luca? After Pipeline, yeah, I, I think it came Sunset, and I have not been very good at Sunset. Uh, I haven't figured out that wave. It's really hard wave, I feel. And, yeah, I feel like what I was thinking is that I, I was like, okay, I got my fifth place. I'm doing well. Uh, maybe I, I can go safe in the next events and maybe make the cut that, because I was thinking about making the cut, you know. Right. But I think that was a big mistake because I didn't realize that I was surfing against the, against the best surfing in the world. And, 
you cannot go safe surfing against the best, you know, and, and I felt like I tried to, to go safe in, in, in Sunset. I went safe in, remember in Portugal too, I could have get better barrels and deeper, but I was trying to go safe and then Coloje beat me and then the same in Bells and Margaret. So uh, I think that was my big, big mistake, going safe after getting a good result and that's why I didn't make it. So now I learned and, and next time if I go back, there's no safe time for sure. What's crazy about your statistics is that having competed against you, having traveled with you for so many years and now doing broadcast work in the events that you're competing at, I know how accomplished you are as a competitor, but I know what your limits are as a surfer and the sky's the limit for you, my friend. I know what you're capable of. You scored multiple nine point rides in high level QS events. You won two QS events, one in Barbados, a 3000 and one in 1000 in Acapulco the year we were there in 2018. What do you think in terms of competing nowadays in comparison to the mid 2010s? What's the one biggest change that you've seen in terms of the QS and the Challenger Series yourself? Well, I feel like I'm surfing with more, more, more confidence. I feel like I'm surfing, like I'm going to a hits thinking, okay, I'm, I'm a good surfer. I know I can make it. Uh, if I do good decisions, I think I'm going to do well. And I think that's the, the difference uh, from before. Before I was like doing some hits good and then some of them bad. And I felt like that happened because of my confidence. Uh, and then I was, I was also like working a lot of, on being consistent, you know, getting consistent scores and, and points in each event. Uh, and I, I think that's one of the things that helped me to qualify for the city, you know, because I was doing consistent, good results and that made me qualify. But that's where I think I, I, I changed from before. Like I was more mature for sure and thinking on, okay, I need to do good. I have my surfing, I'm surfing good. And I have to be intelligent in all my hits, and that's that's how I've been getting better every 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 year. So, uh, yeah, that's it. Number twelve on the Challenger Series in 2021. Number seventeen, you just barely got edged out last year from requalifying, but you did requalify for the Challenger Series through the back end of the top ten. So number eleven all the way to twenty, they got a spot in the Challenger Series. It meant that you didn't have to do the QS to requalify for the CS. Having that weight off of your shoulder, having some time off in between Haleiva and now going towards Snapper Rocks, what kind of pressure did that relieve, Luca? Yeah, the, that not having to do that, the, the regional series was a really big, good thing. You know, I was like, I don't want to go back to doing the <laughs> QSs again, please. I just want to go back to the Challenger Series <laughs> and do well. But yeah, it was a pretty good, good thing because uh, I had pretty much my, the entire summer Peruvian summer, like I had January, February and March to just focus on myself and train a lot, which I was doing. I was surfing a lot in, uh, in, in Peru, in Lima and training and just focusing on, on, on what I can do in the Challenger Series, you know, and then I knew my first stop was going to be a snapper, which is a ride. So I was surfing rides. I went to Mexico to surf rides. Uh, I was doing everything. I'm, I'm trying to, well, I haven't started here in, in, in snapper yet. So I, I've been trying to do everything to be the best I can in these events. And yeah, it was pretty well, it was, I was pretty happy to have all that time to just train and, and get better. And you mentioned that you were in Mancora, in the northern part of Peru, in the state of Piura. And for a lot of people that don't know, that area of northern Peru, incredible left-hand point breaks. And I have to say, two of the people that I travel with doing the qualifying series yourself and Noemar McGonagall probably have two of the best backhand bottom turns that I've ever seen in my life. What is it about that area of northern Peru that creates such great surfers like Sol Aguirre, like yourself, 
that are currently on the cusp of qualifying for the CT? Well, uh, we have perfect waves every 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 day. <laughs> we have the, the good thing about Peru is that we get we we get swells all year. Like we get the north swell from Hawaii and California, and then we get the south swell from Chile. So we we have perfect waves all year. And then growing up in in Mancor, I was like surfing a perfect little left every day and working on my backhand. We don't have rights. Like that's the crazy thing. Like if you go if you go north. Uh, where I live, there's no rights at all. There's no ra- a right point bridge. So I was like, out of like, you have no idea that my struggle when I was like a kid <laughs> trying to compete in national events in Lima, you know, and surfing rights and surfing against my, my friends. And I was like, I, I couldn't do a turn going right. But if I, I will, if I will have a left, I will destroy them, you know. So it's, it's been it's been crazy because I had to work so much in my rights and I had to go to California to Ecuador because Ecuador has really good rights and everything to just get better in the, my front hat, you know? But I think growing up in the north of Peru was one of the best things because I've been scoring for so, so long, like perfect barrels and perfect lines and everything. And I think that's why I have a good backhand. And I think that's why Noemar, like you were saying, has a really good backhand because he's from Pavone. So it's, it's just what happens when you are you grow up in front of a perfect left, you know? Well, you, you mentioned the fact that you were barely going right during a lot of competitions. I remember the first time I met you in 2012, I didn't see you go right a single time in the event that we were at. I think it might have been in either Acapulco or maybe Virginia Beach. The next year, we did a couple of East Coast events together. We did Cocoa Beach and Virginia Beach, two horrible waves, by the way. So they are QS stops, but they're not good waves. So I understand (laughs) why you didn't want to do the QS again. But the next year, 2014 was your breakout moment to me. I remember the final, it was Kanoe Garashi, Normar Magonagol, yourself, and I forget who the, the, the fourth surfer was. I think it was Luke Marks. Okay. So, yeah, yeah Luke Marks, another great surfer from the East Coast. Yeah. Noe and Kanoa were having this head-to-head rivalry in the final. I remember Kanoa had basically a couple of eights, but you needed a nine, and he yeah. left you alone way down the beach. You got a wave all of a sudden, and he got close to a ten. Yeah. Things flip-flopped, and that to me was the first moment that I said, okay, Luca's got it, and they're underestimating him. What did you think of that turning point in your career in 2014? Yeah, like you you mentioned, it. that was my first pro junior win. Uh, I was surfing against Canoa and Noemar, and that hit was so good. I was like, okay, I need to go left. That's it. Just go left, and you're, <laughs> you're going to make it. You're going to win this thing. And then I, got, I, I, I remember I got the be- like the waves were really small. And then I got like the best perfect ride in front of me. And I was like, okay, let's go right. I, I catch the wave. I surf it so bad, but I got a six point ride, six high. Surfing is so bad. Like if Kanoa or anyone would have been in that wave, he would, they would have got a 10. But myself, I got a six point high. So I was like, okay, I got a good score. Uh, surfing bad. And then I, I just need to go left. And then I think it was like one minute left. And then a perfect little left came to me. And I was like, okay, just do a three huge turns and then I went pretty big and they gave me a nine and I think I know I was like next to Noemar and he was like oh my gosh I didn't see this guy coming you know and for me that was I was pretty happy because a lot of people were, were underestimating me but uh, from that moment I was like okay I can do well and if I con- if I have confidence in myself I can do really good in and be the best you know. Yeah well you fast forward a couple of years you win a couple QS's but then you end up winning the Pan American Games. You get the gold medal in 2019. That automatically qualified you 
for the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo, the thing was that pressure was on because you were competing in Lima, in Peru, at Punta Rocas. That experience, then going to the Olympics in 2021 with the whole COVID experience and everything, what was that moment like for you, Luca? Uh, well, first, competing at my home was insane. was so good. Like That, that, that kind of contest was, was so crazy because there were so many Peruvians behind. Uh, the beach was so packed and... It was, it was a really good contest. It was in Punta Rocas, a wave that I don't like at all. I didn't like at all. Now I love it because <laughs> now it's the place that, that I train every day. But at that moment, I didn't like it because I was not surfing very good front hat. So I had a hard time in that wave, but I was training every day, going every mornings and afternoons. I was like, okay, this wave it has to be my best friend because this is where the mm. Olympic qualification is going to be, you know? So I trained so hard. Um like all my training paid off. I did well. I won. And then I went to the Olympics and the Olympics was amazing. I think that that was one of the most beautiful experience of my life. I, I got to stay in the Olympic village with all the artists all, all over the world. They were like, when I was hitting, like when I was going to the gym, just to do some like stretches and stuff, I was like looking like, like, I don't know, you were like seeing boxing people on the, on the side, just like boxing so crazy. And then you were seeing like, basketball guys like two meters high and then they were like lifting weights and I was like this is insane like you're watching like every single sport doing like exercise right now and it was a really cool experience for me uh, uh the ways were all right but for me like competing at the olympics against the best was like one of the best contests of my life for sure well you got to get a result too fifth place I know you didn't get a medal but still yeah. did it feel like surreal in the moment that you feel like you were actually an olympian at the moment when you competed for the first time for sure and you had you had no idea how many messages i was getting every day like from peruvians because uh, peruvians were looking at the olympics and they were like okay maybe surfing they they, they could get medals because we, we we haven't get a medal in so many years in the olympics mm -hmm. like not only surfing like all the sports so everyone was looking surfing and they were like oh, maybe these guys can get the medal and i was like so close i was like my my hit I had a hit with Owen Wright and he beat me and I was like one hit away from fighting for the medals you know right. and for me it was amazing experience and I had so many people behind me supporting me and everything so I, I think it was amazing to be there. Yeah, but I mean just the fact that you were able to qualify in a year. Well, first of all, let me name out the four people that were actually battling for a medal. The final was Italo Ferreira and Kanoe Garashi, gold and yeah. silver respectively. And then Owen Wright and Gay Medina in the bronze medal match. So we're talking about maybe four of the greatest surfers of all time right there. And you placed fifth among them. Like, that's an, um, an amazing accomplishment itself, Luca. Yeah, the, I, I felt like, uh, like all my confidence came from that event. Like, I, I, did, I, I got the fifth place over there. I, I beat Leo in the hit before. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm surfing against the best. And I'm beating them because in my first round, I also beat... Coloje, Julian Wilson, I was, mm -hmm. I got first in my first hit, so I was like, okay, I'm beating the best surfers in the world right now, so I, I, I can make it. So a lot of confidence came, and then you remember they gave me the wildcard for uh, Barra, uh, after mm -hmm. that, right yeah. after that, and I, I surfed that event, and I, I beat Jackson Andy the first hit, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm surfing against Griffin, and I was doing like good scores with him, and I was like, okay, I feel part of this, you know, I want to get to this, to surf with them all the time and everything. And that gave me the confidence to do well in the Challenger Series. And that was the first, that was the same year I, I qualified. So I think the Olympics gave me a lot of confidence for sure.
Well, I love to hear that because it just feels like you're a completely different person right now. Your smile is always there, Luca. And there's a reason why we call you the machine because you're a competitive machine, my friend. We're going to take a quick break, get a message in from our sponsors, and we'll be right back with more from Luca Messinas. WSLstore.com is powered by Shopify. We love the analytics we can check on the go. A lot of us are addicted to checking the Shopify app on our phones. We also love the automations and marketing integrations with our social and YouTube channels. It has incredible features to help us manage our global audience, including international taxation support and great shipping optionality. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US, and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash lineup, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash lineup now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash lineup. All right, everybody. Bienvenidos de regreso. Welcome back. We got Luca Messinas today on the lineup. And Luca, we've talked about your journey through professional surfing so far, especially through competitive surfing. I want to get into the aspect of what being a South American and a Latin American specifically to you means. Um, I've known you for a long time, a little more than 10 years. I remember a few years ago, you told me that your family immigrated from Italy all the way to Peru. And Messinas was actually spelled Messina with two S's, right? Instead of the S at the end. Yeah, that's that's a story that comes from my uncles. Uh, I don't know if it's true. That's what they tell me. I, I always ask, like, hey, what, how they how my last name came, you know? And and they say like my family a while back they came to to Peru, like they were from Italy, and they, and when they came to Peru, they they put their last name, but they they put it wrong, and it should have been Messina. You know, with the double that was double S in the middle and no S in the end, and 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 yeah, and they change it for like one S in the middle and they put a one S in the end. So that's why I got Messinas, you know. But yeah, I, I have Italian family. I have actually an Italian passport too, so I can go compete for Italy if I want to. But I, I just love to. I love Peru. I just just want to compete for Peru. Do you speak any Italian though? Parli italiani. No at all, nothing, man. No, I think I, that that would be the hard part. I will have to go there and just trying to learn that, that language and 
try to speak it. But it's, I feel like it's a really beautiful language. I want to learn it even if, yeah, if I'm not competing for them, you know? 100%. And how did you get into surfing, by the way? I, I know your father. I know your uncle who lives here in the same town as I live in Southern California. But what what gave Luca Messina the pathway to become the surfer that he is nowadays? Well, like I was telling you, uh, my family moved to the north of Peru like a long time ago. Uh, they didn't like the city, so they went to Mancora. It was like a perfect beach, perfect wave. So they, they, they fell in love with the place. And, and then I was born. And then they, they teach me how to surf when I was like six, year, six, seven years old. And all I did was surfing because there's like Mancora is a really small town. There's nothing to do over there other than just surf because the waves are really good. So that's how I got introduced to surfing. And then when I was going to school, I remember like my school was in the beginning from like eight to one. And then I was surfing all the afternoons. And then when I went to like the higher school, I, I went, I was like, I had, this, I had my school from 1 p.m. to 7 p.m. So I was surfing all the mornings too. So uh, it was pretty good. It was, it was a, I, like I was telling you, I, I felt so blessed to be from Mancora and been surfing so many good ways my entire life over there so both of your parents surf correct yeah both okay. my mom and my dad they both if you go to Mancora, you're gonna see my mom she rules the, <laughs> the, the point yeah and my dad my dad is the opposite my dad is super calm he gets really good barrels all the time uh but he always waits for the good waves mm. so your dad's patient then yeah uh, i think i go a little bit from both you do my, my mom is like really competitive she's like crazy in the water and everything and so Sometimes I'm like that, but sometimes I'm patient too, to weigh my good ways and everything. So I think that was a good combination for me. Well, speaking of patience, it took a Latin American surfer that isn't from Brazil 35 years to qualify for the championship tour. And that's an incredible statistic when you look at the great resources in terms of waves that we have in Latin America, the great surfers that we've had. But what do you think has lacked in terms of the consistency of getting to the highest part of the Challenger Series now, and then qualifying eventually for the championship tour. Are you talking for like for other surfers? Yeah, I mean, even for yourself. Well, first, I think what we need in, in South America mostly is like, we need more events, I think, over there, you know? They have a lot of events in Brazil, but we don't get many events in Peru, or Ecuador, or Argentina, you know, or Chile. Like, we, we need bigger events over there, so, I feel like if we start having bigger events in South America, you're going to start seeing more uh, good surfers, you know, and that's, that's going to motivate the young generation too, and, and, and it's going to start growing more. It's, it's growing right now. The South American surfers are, are, are starting to do better, but it, I think it's lacking because of that, because we need more events over there. And, and for us, it's kind of hard to just go and then go to Brazil, compete against the Brazilians that yeah. are so good, at, so good at their spot all the time. They surf so good in Brazil. And then we go to, I don't know, Australia, and they're surfing against Australians that are rip. So it's, it's, it's really hard for us because we don't have like a challenger series in South America other than Brazil, you know. So it's, it's, it's been hard for me because I, I haven't, I didn't have any, I had to, teach myself to surf goods in every single event right? so I, so I can do well and, and, and get on tour, you know? So uh, I think if you start having bigger events in South America, more people are going to start showing up and it's going to start growing more for sure. Well, the reason I bring it up is because there's only been a Peruvian woman to qualify, only one, and a Peruvian male yourself to qualify for the championship tour. 
But you look at Sofia Milanovic's accolades. She won a world championship in 2004, nearly 20 years ago. Why do you think she was different? Why do you think she kind of set the standard for what South American surfing, besides the Brazilians, obviously, have done for the sport? Because she's accomplished a lot in a short amount of time. For sure. I don't know exactly what she did when she was like competing against the best, but uh, I mean, she has amazing surfing, amazing backhand, and amazing like competition stats. And I think she was just taken like away from Peru, like when she was young, and she was like just surfing against mm. the best women's, you know, like since she was like a little girl, you know. I I'm, I heard like she got so many wild cards when she was like. 15 and she was like winning events and everything and I was like maybe she's separate from all the other girls from Peru right. and then she was just one one more part of the like the girls that were surfing good in all all around the world you know that's what brands do when you are like like a kid you know they they like for instance like Christopher De Cole was like a really good surfer when he was young and he he yeah. was on Quicksilver and he was all, always like having a trips with the best surfers in the world and to Indo and everything like that. I feel like that kind of stuff, it separates you to be from your country where there's not many opportunities and you are already with them. So you're already like growing your, your way, you know? So I feel like that maybe happened with Sofia too. She was surfing with the best surfers in the world since she was really young, you know? Right. It's a good point that you bring up right there with Cristobal de Col because he was basically one of the young guns for Quicksilver at that time, yeah, right? When Quicksilver... Exactly was at the peak of, of their branding. And I love your marketing, by the way, with the t-shirt. Uh, I can see it perfectly <laughs> in here. But same thing with Sophia. Sophia was a Roxy girl her whole life up until yeah. a few years ago. And I think the fact that you mentioned that she was taken out of Peru at a young age, that's what excelled her potential to qualify for the championship, championship tour, excuse me, eventually down the line. Now, when you see a lot of these young Latin American surfers, especially coming from Mexico myself, I can tell you there's been a lot of wasted talent. You know, there's yeah. been a lot of surfers that have the potential to make it that far, but maybe they don't have the opportunities that a lot of people have. Now you see people like Miguel Tudela making the most of it. He won every single event that he competed in in the QS in the South American region. He won the C, uh, the QS for South America last season. So, so Aguirre, Daniela Rosas now for the women. It seems like they're kind of finally catching on to that, wouldn't you say? Yes, that's for sure. Uh, and I was going to tell you, like, for me, I didn't get the opportunities when I was a young, young kid. I, I didn't get all the big opportunities from, from sponsors. But one thing that helped me a lot was leaving Peru and going to Huntington Beach and just train yeah. every day over there, you know? That, that helped me a lot. Like, if I would have not done that, I, I think I, I would have never, like, reached the city and everything. So... Sometimes, yeah, you got to leave your country because there's not many opportunities and just go and chase your dream. So now that, that surfing is getting bigger in Peru and, and you have like people like Miguel and me and Sofia, a lot of good surfers, the young generations are like seeing us and, and they just want to follow the path, you know. So uh, I hope the best for Peru. I hope we get a lot of good surfers in the tour and I hope we grow. That, that will be the best for sure. I think eventually it will happen, Luca. And uh, you mentioned the waves, that there was difficulty leaving Mancora every now and then because the waves get so good. There's another place called Lobitos, really close by, Chicama, the longest wave in the world. But there's one wave specifically in the northern part of Peru called Cabo Blanco. I know it's yeah. one of your favorite waves. 
what makes that wave so special? It's just, I, I feel like it's just a perfect barrel. Like, it's so perfect, so easy, and it's, like, amazing. Like, I don't know, like, it's not even, like, that long of the wave, but it's, like, you drop the wave and you're already getting into a barrel, and then it's, like, a perfect barrel for, like, 10 seconds, and you just got to escape the, the, the end section. And I don't know, I like the wave because every time there's a swell, you know it's going to be good, you know? There is not, right. like... Yeah, you know, you know, you're gonna go in the morning and you're gonna score. And for me, that's one of the best things. Like, right, like growing up, waking up early, seeing the swell coming, and I was like, okay, that let's go surf and let's get paro. And the waves were there all the time. And when it hits the offshore and it's like beautiful with the boats in the back and the pier, I I just think it's a beautiful wave in general. You know, that's why it's my favorite. So Cabo Blanco, you'd say, is your favorite wave in the world? Uh, I don't know about the world, but in Peru, for sure. In the world, okay. it's really hard to say in the world, man. There's so many good ways. Like, uh, I love Indo, for instance. I love Desert Point, uh, Gilan. All those ways are amazing, too. So, uh, But Cabo Blanco is up there, for sure, with him. So you, you mentioned three laps there. <laughs> now no, you got to mention a couple of rides. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I just say left. Uh, it's, it's all about left for me. Like, I don't know. I just love to get power on my backhand and just throw my knee in the, in the wall and just you know, just get sober all the time. Barrel. Uh, yeah, it's it's hard for me to. I, I'm actually like trying to train and, and learn how to get barrel on my front side because I'm I'm not that good, and I need I I, I know I need it for like the events in the city and stuff like that. So uh, that's one of my goals right now, just to get better on my front side too, barreling. Well, I feel like you've improved a lot, and I feel that uh, staying here with your uncle Renzo Mesinas in Costa Mesa has actually helped a lot. You're surfing in Huntington quite a bit. I saw you, what was it, last month? You stayed here around three weeks uh, during yeah. the Jacks Pro, right before that, before the Pan American Surfing Games, too. I feel like your forehand has improved a lot. I even feel like your backhand has improved a lot. But the thing that I've seen the most with you, your heat strategy is even better than it was before. And that's saying a lot because you were already a competitive machine, Luca. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's those are stuff that you have to learn every year and in each contest uh that's why i have a book and i i, I write everything I, I write everything yeah. i did in my head i write like what i'm doing bad what i'm doing good so i can take it for the next event and it's all about that like i think surfing well in contests is all about experience i feel like if you've been comparing for a while uh you cannot be making the same mistakes all the time so that's that's why I feel like I'm competing better every year because I'm learning from each year. And if I do something well, I take it, I take note. If I do something bad, I take note too. So uh, that's what I've been working on every every year on my hits. So it's a nice transition we made there. We went from talking about good waves, Cabo Blanco, your, some of your favorite waves, and then competitive heat strategy. Because I wanted to ask you what it was like managing your time, managing a heat, in poor waves in comparison to good waves. And that's what I feel like the championship tour offers a lot more. Championship tour, you're usually surfing a lot better waves than you are on the QS and the Challenger series. What do you think in terms of managing the heat on the CT, what was the biggest difficulty in comparison to the qualifying series? In the CT, I felt like it was, everything was so new because sometimes you have the overlapping hits and mm. I've never done that, that kind of hits in my life. So in the beginning, I was like, what should I do? Just when you don't have priority, should I catch waves? Should I not catch waves? Wait. 
it, it was pretty hard. Like, uh, like I tell you, like every time you're in a heat in, in the city, it's like you're learning so much because I, I have no idea of a lot of stuff from the city. That's why I, I want to get back again and just learn a lot and, and do better. But uh, in the city, you're surfing the best waves in the world. You're surfing good waves because they're always making the best calls, you know, and you're surfing against the best. So mostly you got to be patient and catch good waves and just destroy them and give your best in each wave. In the Challenger series, I, I felt like it has improved a lot. I felt like uh, we have really good waves in the Challenger series tour. Uh, they're, they're doing really good calls too when they're running the events. But you're having all the time four man hits and then... Uh, it's a little shorter, it's like 30 minute hits, so you have you gotta maybe wait for the best, but at the same time being really smart and know when to take waves and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. I, I feel like you gotta be like more aware of everything that is happening in the Challenger series because you have more people and they're all hungry, they all wanna qualify to the city. In the in the city it's just it, you just catch the best of a wave and just surf it the best you can because yeah. you're surfing against the best. Challenger yeah. series, you gotta be more smart, you gotta be like like looking into ways, oh, this wave is good, this wave is not, should I go, should I not, you know, like you're thinking more stuff. And then the QS is kind of similar, but in a hard, in bad waves, usually, you know, it's like some waves are good, but some waves are not that good. So you got to be more, that's when you got to be like a little Brazilian and just have like crazy, <laughs> like catch everything, every wave that you can and just rip all your waves and, and, and compete kind of crazy, you know, like, just hungry, you know, to get to wanting to get to the Challenger Series. Uh, but then after it's like more strategy. That's how it's so, like. well, it's a good explanation. It's a good explanation because I feel a lot of similarities between the QS and the Challenger Series. And then once you get to the CT, the format's smaller, you have more time. And then if you have overlapping heats, your strategy is obviously very different. You mentioned the word hunger, though. And it's a huge year for you ahead. There's good events on the qualifying series. There's good events on the Challenger series where you're at right now in Australia, Snapper Rocks, and then you go over to uh, Sydney. I wanted to ask you what your biggest motivational factor for this year was, because I know that you wanted to qualify for the championship tour eventually. You wanted to be an Olympian. Those are two things that you accomplished already. But do you have certain sets of standards, short-term goals, long-term goals that you have for this year for yourself? Yeah, of of course. My main goal is get to the back, back, back to the city. You know, get back to the city and show my surfing. I felt like I couldn't show my surfing at all in my first five events of of last year. Uh, but the, I want to get back, and that's my goal. Like my hungry, like I'm hungry of going back and just say, hey, I know how to surf. Uh, I want to be with you guys and and beat all of those guys. You know. Uh, and then there's of course the Olympic qualification too. So I, this year I want to qualify for. Santiago 2023, which is like mm-hmm. the Pan American Games, and if I win that, I can qualify for the Olympics in right. in, in, in the Paris, you know, 2024. So my main goals this year are to qualify back to the city and then uh, go to Santiago 2023 and and try to win that event so I can qualify for the Olympics. And guess what? No surprise here, Tahiti 2024. That's a left. Luca, so oh man, that would be so awesome. You have no idea how I'm like, please, I need to get to this Olympics. I know I, I can do well because it's a perfect life. I, I, I mean, it's a scary wave too because Yahoo is so amazing, so scary. 
but I feel like if I'm there, it's like all or nothing. I just want to get better and, and be the best. So uh, I want to qualify to the event so bad. Say hypothetically you do qualify, which I feel like your chances of doing so are very high. Would you rather it be four to six feet or six feet plus for that event? Uh, I'd rather be like, yeah, six feet. That would be the perfect size. <laughs> if it's more, I'm going to be scared, but I'm going to be okay. If it's the Olympics, you you, you gotta just, just got to go for it, you know? All right. But I'm, yeah, but six feet, six to, to eight feet would be perfect, you know? And perfect barrels. Yeah. yeah, I think that that's a good size. Hey, getting yeah. back to the competition aspect um, for the Challenger Series specifically, you have a couple different changes to your camp. I, I don't remember who you traveled with before for the majority of Challenger Series events. But this year in Australia, you have a great crew, a couple of Peruvian girls with you. But I think the biggest change for yourself is having Miguel Tudela right there with you. And I feel like you guys push yourselves a lot. You motivate each other. What do you like of the addition of Miguel to the Challenger Series and having him stay with you for the, the majority of the year? Yeah, yeah, we're going to stay together, I think, all year with, with Miguel. And, uh, I mean, I, I Miguel was was a, a inspiration for me when I was a kid. Like, he's two years or three years older than me. So uh, when I was a kid, I was looking up to Miguel, to Cristobal, to all those guys that were ripping. So it's nice to be here competing with him and both as Peruvians trying to do our best. And yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good competition because if I see him doing well, I'm like, I, I want to do well too. You know, I want to do better than him and stuff like that. And he probably sees it the same way, you know. And he has told me like, hey, you when, when I saw you in the city and everything, you motivated me so much. And I was like, I, I'm happy to hear that, you know, I'm happy that I'm motivating you by, by qualifying to the city because last year he did pretty well. And, and in the QS, like you were saying, he won like five events. And, and then after that, in the end of the year, we sit, we had an interview together uh, in Peru for a channel in Peru. And, and they were asking asking us questions and we were both sitting in the same same like couch. And he was saying like that he, he looked up to me like an inspiration for for as a motivation as well for being in the city and stuff and i was like oh man i never i never imagined that but now i know it and and, and i feel happy to be with him here competing that's for sure how crazy is that though he went you went from being inspired by him which i'm pretty sure you still are up until some point yeah. but now you're like his biggest motivator like you're the reason he probably did so well last year on the qualifying series and he qualified for the challenger series what kind of impact does that have on you now it's amazing. I feel like it's 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 everything. It's all, it's, that that's that's what sports are for. I think like you like you get inspired by someone, and then you if you can inspire him again, or maybe like the young generations is. I think that's the 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 reason why we're here in this war, and the reason why we do sports and everything. So for me, that's that's everything. Inspire Miguel, inspire all the kids in Peru and all the girls too, and everything. So for me, that's what I work for every year. Trying to get best best results and help others come with me, you know? I love that. That's a great message. Speaking of motivators and people that have been inspiring to you, who's been the most inspiring person in your life, Luca? Well, first, my parents, for sure, because they work work so hard for me to be here. Uh, They they, they work so hard. I was watching them working so hard, and they were telling me, like, hey, you're going to make it. And they give me all the motivation, like, even when I was doing well, when I was doing bad in the QS, because there were years that I was like not that good, and I was like, 
maybe I should retire or maybe I should not keep doing this. And then they were keep going, they were keep paying me all my trips because I didn't have many sponsors too before. So they're for sure my 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 bigger motivation and my inspiration. And then growing up, uh, uh, everyone that I was watching compete and everything was Sofia for sure. And then Christopher the call because I remember him bringing all the best surfers in the world to 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 where I was from, to Mancora. Uh, like he will bring Julian <laughs> Wilson, he will bring Rob Machado, he will bring Clay Marso. So I was yeah. watching all those guys surfing in my home break, you know, and that was because of Chris Schoel. So for me, he was a, a big experience for sure, too. Hey, you mentioned uh, finances and how difficult it is to do the QS and eventually qualify for the championship tour. Can you explain to our listeners and our viewers what kind of financial commitment doing the qualifying series, surfing in general, in comparison to other sports, takes? How difficult is it to make it? It's really difficult, Mitchell, that's for sure. <laughs> because, I mean, it's the, like before the QS, it wasn't regional. No, you know, yeah. remember? It yeah. was like, you, you got to go do QSs all over the world. Mm-hmm. Like, not only in your region. So at that point, it was really hard because you will have to go, I'm talking all the way to Australia and then maybe China, maybe Europe and so many places. And you will have to travel so much. I remember one year doing like maybe like 20 events a year. And I was like, like wasting so much money and, and trying to pay trips and, and hotels and like at that time it was so hard to even pay a coach because I was like uh, paying so much stuff that it was really hard to, to, to get a coach too so yeah it was really hard now it's, it's, it's way easier because you compete only in your region and those are usually like countries that are close to you you know to your home yeah. so it's, it's way nicer and easier because you can qualify to the challengers and then you have your six or seven event tour and it's way easier but in the beginning when i was like in the qs with you <laughs> it was really hard man you remember traveling all over the world and trying to do well in all of the events and i was the person just to let our listeners know i was the person that i had so such a small amount of money such a small travel budget this is how i got into broadcasting i used to surf the event and announce the event too oh, yeah. and like, I remember that was a pain, but the only reason I was announcing was because I needed to make some money because we don't have money guaranteed doing the qualifying series. You need to make a certain round to even make a couple hundred bucks. And then you'd have to take in taxes from the country you're in. You have to take in your expenses from the trip. And then eventually you got to pay for your boards too. And that's the one amazing thing that I feel like a lot of the top surfers have is that they get their boards, their boards paid for them. And I know you're traveling a lot with Timmy Patterson's under your, uh, under your arm. You've ordered a couple of sharp eyes in the past too. But talk to me about the necessity of a good shaper and how having a discounted price or free boards has changed the game for you, Luca. Oh, that's for sure. Like you don't want to be paying boards and trying to travel all over the world, you know, because you have that's. I mean, how many boards you need a, a year? You need a lot of boards. Like you need like mm-hmm. maybe like twenty. Yeah, at least. Yeah, yeah, at least. And then you don't want to start paying them and then travel the world and try to get a good hotel, a good food and everything. Like it's, it's a lot of money, like you we were saying. But yeah, I'm lucky that I have teamies and uh, I have, they're giving, giving me boards for free too. And uh, But I feel like I'm in the stage that I, I have already done well. I, I have good sponsors, which is good. Uh, and I can do a lot of good things with my money. I can travel to like to good hotels, I can go eat good food, 
uh, get coaches now and everything. Mm -hmm. So I think once you get there with good sponsors, you can manage your money well and just try to do your best so you can do well in the events. Right. So that way you don't have to worry anymore about where you're staying, what you're doing, what you're eating. Now it's exactly. just like, let me surf, let me compete. Yeah. Only, yeah, you only focus on surfing. Exactly. I love it. All right. Yeah. We'll take another quick break right now, get a word in from our sponsors, and when we'll be back, oh, we're going to ask a couple Instagram questions for Luca. All right. Welcome back, everybody. We got Luca Messinas on the lineup for today, former travel partner of myself great friend, but more importantly, the first Peruvian male to qualify for the championship tour. You've been an Olympian. We went through your accolades. We want to go into some questions now, Luca. We're going to go into our Instagram qu uh, fan questions. And um, remember, you can follow us at the lineup pod and send in your questions. If we don't get it, get into them this time, we'll probably get into them later. So our first question, Luca, you ready? Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> so... At David Carrison, I believe that's how it should be pronounced. Um, what are your top three South American surf locations? South America top three. Mm. Okay, most of them will be at my home. Uh, I feel like if you want to go to South America and surf the best waves, you gotta go first to one of them will be Chicama. Like you can mm -hmm. spin Chicama. That's for sure. I, every time I see a per person in around the world, I tell them, hey, you got to go surf Chicama because it's the longest wave in the world. Come on. So that's that's one of them. Uh, I will say Cabo Blanco, the second one. And then let me think about another one in South America. Uh, Chile has really good waves. Chile has amazing waves. I, I, yeah. I has, uh, Punta Lobos is one of them. I feel like Punta Lobos is pretty good. That would be my third one. Okay. I like it. You didn't throw Cabo Blanco in there. Uh, that, that, was, that was my second one. Okay. Oh, Chicama, well, okay. Cabo Blanco, yeah. and, 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 and Punta Lobos. All right. I could um, say um, three in Peru. But Peru is like, <laughs> I feel like they have the best waves in South America, for sure. Well, you know. Chile has good waves, too. I feel like Punta Lobos in Chile is a good one. Yeah. I feel yeah. like Arica isn't necessarily a great wave, but it's, it can be. It has the it potential be. to be. Yeah. Yeah. But so. it's a dangerous wave. It oh, it's you don't super wanna, dangerous. Yeah. So, for anybody that's just looking to surf good waves, go to Peru. Especially yeah. go to Mancora, where where Lucas yeah. from. So our second question. This is from at Gabriel MV zero eight. Important question, Luca, as a proud Peruvian yourself. Ceviche or lomo saltado? And it's a two part question. <laughs> and epic pipe with the crowd or epic cabo blanco with the crowd. Okay, the first one is easy. I like ceviche more. I love okay. ceviche because Great I'm answer. from the north. Great yeah, that's the best. That's the thing that you wanna do after you surf in the north of Peru. Mm -hmm. Just get a ceviche. And then the second one is a hard one. Uh, I feel like for me right now, uh, I would choose Cabo Blanco at my home because it's really hard to get a wave in pipe when it's crowded, and I hate it. I go to the water sometimes. <laughs> and I surf for four hours, and the only thing I get is a closeout. So, yeah, uh, if, if they told me a uh, uh, pipe in a contest and Cabo Blanco with crowd, I would choose pipe in a contest. Okay, but yeah. No with a crowd. Uh, I don't like dealing with a pipe crowd. Yeah, it's dangerous. For people that haven't surfed there, I mean, you, you and I have surfed there many, many times and with a crowd in a, con in a contest too. 
But Dude. when it's like big and it's crowded, so hard. I, there's not a more dangerous lineup in the world. Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. but there isn't. It's it's dangerous. It's scary. It's Even for us, like like I'm I'm not from there, and and sometimes I like seeing uh, like a perfect wave coming to me and then you see the Hawaiian piling for it and then sometimes they don't get it and you just gotta go right. like okay I'm going mm-hmm. and then you just turn around and then you just see the drop and you're like oh I didn't yeah. even you die. Wave, you know and then you can you die. might die right there yeah so yeah it's so hard I know it's scary dude. it's like a, a lot okay third question and our final one from the Instagram qu- fan questions I think you know know this person from at Miguel Tudela ch <laughs> <laughs> Why are you called the mute, el mudo? Oh man, I mean, well, first of it, of it is because I don't talk much, and uh, I think the, the person that put me el mudo, which is the mute, uh, was Anali Gomez, uh, because I remember going to the wards, I say wards with a team, Team Peru. And I was the most quiet one for sure. I was like not talking much and I was just like quiet, you know, and just surfing my hits. So she's she's so funny. That girl is like so funny. She makes so many jokes in the team and everything. And she was like, hey, you have, you got to start talking and being like <laughs> really fast. And I was like, and she put me, otherwise I'm going to call you El Mudo, you know? And and that's why that my nickname came from there. You two are like polar opposites. Anali Gomez, yeah. talk, 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 talk. And then Luca... Wait, let me just explain though background context. When I first met Luca, you were super quiet. Now that I know you and we're such good friends, all you do is talk. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, sometimes I yeah I gotta I gotta get more confident, you know. So I guess hey, I it's you. it's good. I like yeah. it. You changed. I, I I like it. It's for the best. Okay, Luca. And now we're gonna go into our lightning round of questions. These are 10 okay. questions. You're going to answer them as fast as you can, all right? Okay. Only with one word or doesn't matter? A sentence. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. First one. If you could set up one board for the rest of your life, single fin, twin, thruster, quad, finless, what do you got? Uh, like, you mean my... my... The ride? one board that you're going to ride for the rest of your life? Uh, it will be my performance board for sure. With okay, so thruster. Right? Yeah, yeah thruster. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. For sure. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Man, I eat, I drink like three coffees a day. <laughs> uh, burrito or pizza? Burrito. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, yes. Love it. You're going back. I like the burrito. Yeah. Yeah. The last book you read? Oh, I don't read books, man. The Mick Fanning book. Yeah, my last the, the last one was the Mick Fanning book. <laughs> what are you talking about? You don't read books. You have a whole shelf behind you right oh, now. Oh, this is from the Airbnb. I, I don't think I'm going to read any of them. But the last book I read was the Mick Fanning book because it was Mick Fanning. But I don't read books. Okay, best surf film ever. Young Guns. Ooh, the original, the first one. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I like the choice. Good choice. Yeah. One wave you never have to go back to. If you would never go back to one wave. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I know the answer. I know the answer. Do you know it? Yeah. It's yeah, Virginia it's Beach. Be. It has to Virginia be. Virginia Beach, for yeah. sure. 
<laughs> oh my, that's an easy answer. Yeah, that's um, an easy answer, actually. Only get to surf one way for the rest of your life. One way for the rest of my life. And I feel like... Be... Yeah, go ahead, go my ahead. My home break, my home break, Mancora. Really? I feel like you were going to say Desert Point. Maybe, but then you get... Yeah, there's a point of a way because you act, you can actually do turns sometimes with the high. You can pace, rip so yeah. it too. Yeah, you can rip it too. Like I was saying, like maybe if I get barrel all the time, I will get bored and just want to do turns or earth. But mm-hmm. desert point is a good choice because you can do both. You can do get barrel and then do big turns or earth. So yeah, desert point. Okay, I like it. Yeah. Best person to share a lineup with. Mm. You gotta say your girlfriend, Luca. You gotta say your girlfriend. She's gonna be listening. She's gonna no, hate you if you don't say her. Man. It's so hard to serve with my girlfriend, man. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I love to serve with her, but not in a crowded place, man. Because when it's crowded, you just wanna push her, and there's crowd, and there's too much going on. Uh, but when there's like an empty lineup, yeah, I love it for sure. Okay, so who are you going with then? Your dad? I feel like your dad's a pretty good person to serve with. Yeah, my dad. Yeah? For sure. All right. Worst person to share a lineup with? That would be maybe Sola Aguirre. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Oh, my God. That's a great answer. She catches so many waves. Dude, you have no idea. Every time we serve and train for the team, I'm like, Sol, I, I hate you. Yeah. I mean, like, you in the water, it's like you're so annoying in the water, but that's a yeah. good thing in any ways, you know? Like, yeah. good thing for you, but I hate you. But no, not so. I mean, so is so fun. And I don't know, like, maybe like a crazy Brazilian. Crazy Brazilian that wants to catch every single wave. I hate those. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're going to finish <laughs> the sentence, okay? Okay. I will next achieve a state of happiness by. What? Can you repeat it again? I will next achieve a state of happiness by, and you can say by doing this or by surfing, I don't know. By winning a heat, winning snapper, win a challenger series. No, by 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 being a, a, an inspiration in Peru. Yeah, Luca. Yeah, I want to I be a legend in Peru. Like I, I want every single are. little kid, like when when they grow up, it's like, hey, that was the best surfing from Peru, coming from Peru. Luca, That's you're already mom. an inspiration. What are you talking about? Bigger than that, man. Come on. Even even your original coach, your OG coach, Luis Escudero, he checks me all the time. He's like, oh yeah, hey, have you heard from Luca? Like he's such a big star now. He won't even respond to my texts. I love him so much. <laughs> I look up to him. He's so funny. But no, yeah, I think. So- I think you're a huge inspiration now. I think for anybody that comes from humble beginnings in Latin America and they look at your career, they look at Sofia Mulanovic's career, there's just nothing to not be inspired from. And I feel like you've developed a pathway for a lot of young people, young up-and-coming surfers, to follow your footsteps. Yeah, thank you. How do you feel about being an inspiration like that? Like Even Miguel says now that you're like his biggest motivation. It feels good. It feels like you're doing, you're going for the right path. You know, it feels like you you're doing the right, the right way. You know, like right. everything that you're doing is paying off, and it's a good feeling, and it's a a, a good feeling to take because I, I want more. You know, I want to inspire more people, not only in Peru, in South America and Latin America, and maybe all over the world too. So 
uh, it's a good feeling and it's a feeling that motivates you to keep going. So I'm happy with that for sure. Okay. I like it. We've talked about your goals. We've talked yeah. about what you've accomplished. But deep down, 27-year-old from Mancura in Piura, the northern part of Peru. You're a great surfer. You're a great person. But who, if you could describe Luca Messinas in one sentence, how would you describe yourself? Luca Messinas, I feel like he's a hard worker, man. <laughs> I've been yes. working so hard to get here. That uh, that's 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 my sentence for sure. There's a reason we call you the machine, la máquina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, it's it's been a long, long road, but I'm super happy. Yeah, of everything. Okay, closing thoughts, Luca. You want to requalify for the championship tour at the end of the Challenger Series season. You got two events coming up in Australia. Then you go to Belito. We got the U.S. Open, and then we're finishing things off Europe, and then Brazil and Saquarema. What can we expect from Luca Messina's going into this season of Challenger Series in 2023? Uh, well, my 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 goal and what I want to do is be the next I don't know like the the La the Leo Fioravanti of last year. You know, like he did well in all the all the events. Like there was mm -hmm. no event that he didn't do well. So that's that's my goal. I want to be like him and and do well in all the my events in Australia in Valido. Yeah, I want to go to the US Open and maybe win that event because that's my favorite event. And then do well in all of them. So that's 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 what I want to expect for me this year. Be the Leo cool. Fervanti or maybe last year. Yeah. Well, Leo ended up winning the Challenger series as a yeah. whole. I feel yeah. like you could easily do that too. You guys actually shared a heat together in Saquarema in, exactly. in, in 2022. That's an event I could easily see you winning. You mentioned the US Open. That's basically your home break now. Easily two events that you could be winning, but it's gotta be a good start at Snapper Rocks for you to get comfortable. Luca, exactly. we wish you the best of luck here from the lineup. My friend, as always, it's a pleasure talking to you and uh, have a great season on the Challenger Series. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you. Let's do it. Luca Mesinas de Mancura Piura, Peru. Buena suerte. Nos vemos pronto. <laughs> Gracias. Y con todo. So that's it. Today's line of conversation with Peru's Luca Mesinas, the guy nicknamed the machine looking to make history by winning his first Challenger Series event at the GWN Sydney Surf Pro presented by Bonsoir. Tune in starting May 17th all the way through May 24th to see if he's able to requalify for the Championship Tour in 2024. This episode is produced by Miguel Clemente with art direction by Jason Penning and copywriting by Dan Willen. Thanks to them and thanks to our sponsors. We appreciate their support. The lineup acknowledges that it is recorded and produced on the ancestral lands of the Kombumeri native Australian people, the Ahashiman people in Southern California, and the Kumeye people in Los Angeles. Hope you get some waves wherever you are. This is Mitchell Salazar signing off. We'll see you soon.